CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, we're live at the NASDAQ market site on this Friday afternoon. The guys here finally back together and they're getting ready for the big show. While they're doing that, here's what's coming up. Social stocks are getting kicked to the curb. But if you own one of the beaten names, Mike Coe has a way to limit your losses. He'll give us the trade. Plus, cloudy with a chance of profits. Cloud stocks are on a tear. And Dan Nathan says there's one name that could be next to break out. And he's got a way to buy it for less. And energy stocks got crushed this week. But the chart master says... The charts may have gotten so bad, they're actually good. We'll tell you how to play it. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. And we start with the energy space getting hit this week. Crude falling 3%, taking oil stocks along with it. The OIH oil services ETF falling 7%. The XOP oil and gas ETF down 6%. And energy was one of the worst performing sectors of the week. But the chart master says the charts of one area of the energy market have gotten so bad, they actually look good. Let's get straight to uh, Carter, who's over at the Plasma. Hey, Carter. Right, so this is a, a direct opposite trade from what Mike and I did about three weeks ago playing for energy overall to plunge. Now that, to some extent, that's happened, uh, the oil service stocks are exceedingly bad, and I think at this point, they're so bad, they're good. Um, XLE, you know it. It's the ETF for all energy in the S&P versus OIH, which is effectively two stocks, Schlumberger and Halliburton. And you can see the spread, right? We know what this is versus uh, this year to date. Moving forward, take a look at a little longer period. I mean, again, you're talking about over 1,000 basis points of spread over the past 12 to 18 months. And at this point, the correlation is broken down. I think the orange line actually has some snapback potential. So let's look at the oil services stocks. Look how precise we know, yes, that this is a double top. But to some extent, that's played out. And look how well-defined these lows are. If I put in the next chart... What we've got is a very precise level. In fact, let's highlight it. I mean, you can literally see how precise these lows are, and it's my bet that we're going to snap back a bit here, that we're going to throw back to a level where you're likely to make it back towards this downtrend line. Let me see if I got one more here, and we will call it a day. In fact, that's it. What I'm thinking is, right like this, you get the throwback, and at least a 4 to 5% move in something that is, at this point, so bad it's good, down to multiple well-defined lows. So how do you trade this, Mike? Yeah, so I think what we're trying to do here, this is a tricky situation. We're trying to catch the falling knife, although, as Carter just pointed out, maybe this has bottomed out here. So I think one of the things we want to do is try to mitigate the amount of premium we're going to spend. One other quick point I would make, OIH is an ETF. It's like an index. When you have situations like that, Generally speaking, you're not going to see gap moves. You know, this is a basket of stocks. So I think the way to play this is with a call spread risk reversal. I was looking out to October, the 21, 23, 25 call spread risk reversal, which is very slightly in the money. This closed around 23, 20. So it's about 20 cents in the money. You could spend 50 cents for that package. And the idea here is that we're going to be collecting some decay on the call that we're short on the upside. That's the 25 strike. 
as well as the 21 strike put on the downside. And of course, if it just stays right here, that's going to mitigate a lot of that decay effect and, you know, looking for maybe a 10 percent move, but also getting a bit of a buffer to the downside. If it drops by 10 percent, that's essentially where we would have it put to us. And, you know, this is a space that, uh, you know, obviously we'd made some bearish bets on it before. I'm individually long Halliburton, which is one of the largest constituents of this index. Whoa. Um, well, listen, it's an interesting setup. I mean, I looked at Schlumberger, and we were talking about on the desk with Pete a couple weeks ago. I said that was one of the worst charts I've ever seen in my life. It's literally approaching, like, seven-year lows. And I just wonder at some point if there's some reason to flush them, they might not come back for a very long time, which leads me to Mike's trade. I, I think if you're going to be contrarian, you want to use the options. You want to define your risk. And we talk about defining risk. You can be long premium. You define your risk to the premium that you've paid. In Mike's trade here, he's actually selling a downside put less than 1% of the stock price out in October expiration. That would be the the only kind of thing I would say, maybe it's not really worth it. Maybe I'd kind of go a little bit further out of the money, widen out that call spread, and not have that downside risk. Basically, just risking. What you know, you're that's actually that's actually a very good point. And I've said before that when I'm looking to sell options on stocks or ETFs, generally speaking, I'm looking to collect at least one percent or thereabouts of the premium. 1% uh, of the stock price in terms of premium on the net short. Here, the thing is, we're selling both the call and the put. So collectively, between these two, we're collecting 40 cents. The stock cannot be both below 21 and above 25 at expiration. So you can actually broaden out those strikes very slightly to essentially get that decay that you're looking for because of that. If I was only going to be selling, if I was just doing a, a risk reversal or something like that, I wasn't selling that call spread, you know, I might just say, instead, I'll just buy that call. But here I am trying to offset some of the decay, and that's that's one way you can do it. And as the Halliburton plunge this week, Schlumberger, after that kind of aggressive drawdown, you don't typically get an immediate second drawdown. I think this is where you a little bit oversold in the simplest sense of the word. Now to the cloud stocks. They're flying high. Adobe, Salesforce, Workday all flying high this year, up more than 40%. In fact, trading near highs, Adobe reports earnings next week. But Dan says he prefers a different name in the space. Could be ripe for breakout. So what are you looking well, at? Yeah, let's start with Adobe, though, because this quietly, or maybe not so quietly, has become one of the largest software companies in the world by market cap. It's got about 130 billion market cap. It's up about 200% over the last few years. At one point, this was often kicked around as a takeout sort of name from a bigger software player. Well, not anymore. You know, I just want to, I have a, a chart since the start of 2017 um, of Adobe. Look at how far this thing has come off trend just since it's broke out to a new all-time high here. I don't really want to trade this one next week. I don't really think I have a whole heck of a lot of edge. We saw earnings from Salesforce last week. It went down a couple percent. Now it's back up. I think the momentum is with these names. But one of the things that's really important is that Workday, ServiceNow, Salesforce, these have become really, really big names. The latter two that I mentioned are now 30-plus billion market cap companies now and uh, Workday. And those were also thought to be takeout candidates. So I actually think, given the situation that we are with all this cash coming back on shore and the inability for some foreign buyers to buy U.S. assets, we could start to see some M&A from some of these players. And Adobe, with their stock where it is, or Salesforce, they should start thinking about some smaller tuck-in acquisitions. Last week, Box reported earnings. It kind of disappointed. The stock sold off a little bit. They pushed out their $1 billion revenue, annual revenue target, uh, about a year and a half or so from prior guides. The stock sold off. I think it makes sense to look at this thing right now. They are growing sales at about 20% a year. They have about $600 uh, million in sales expected this year. It's got a $3.7 
billion dollar market cap, and that's a really easy one for somebody who thinks that this content and storage platform has a nascent AI business, and there's not too many pure play ways to do that. And Box could be it. So to me, you know, it's really hard playing for takeouts, right? And we don't want to be just buying calls all over the place. So one of the things that I like to do every once in a while is a risk reversal, where I really define um, the level in which I could get some leverage to the upside. And what is a risk reversal? Mike did a call spread risk reversal. In this situation, I want to look out to January expiration. When the stock was trading at 24.65, I could sell the January 2019 strike 20. Put way out of the money. Stock's at 24.65 right now. I can sell that at 65 cents, and I can buy one of the January 2019 expiration 30 calls for 95 cents. That trade cost me 30 cents. Okay, so on January expiration, if the stock's above 20 or 30.30, I have profits. If the stock is below 20.30, I have losses. The highest probability outcome of this trade is that nothing happens. That the stock is between 20 and 30, and I lose that 30 cents. But what am I trying to do here? I'm trying to put a little placeholder in a name that I have no idea what the outcome is going to be. But I want to start looking at this thing because I actually think it could be a takeout candidate. If it starts to get going, you're going to see this thing back up at its prior highs if, from earlier this year around 30 bucks. Start, even if it starts to get going without some kind of a bid coming. And as you point out, I mean, it's a digestible size. And although it's a 3.6, $3.7 billion market cap, it actually does have net cash on the balance sheet. So the acquisition cost, if you figure that they're going to throw a 20% premium on it, is, is, isn't quite as high as you might otherwise say. The thing I will say is this, is that if the stock does go higher for any other reason, you are, in between now and that expiration date, going to see some profits. This is what we call long delta. So you are long exposure. So the idea here is that, you know, if it doesn't go in your favor, time's kind of on your side. But if it does, you're going to have opportunities to potentially monetize this before the expiration date, especially by covering the downside put, which might, you know, decay to something very close to zero. I mean, just in terms of classic charting, right, um, this is a sell-off to a level of support where rebound potential is high. So you have a well-defined level 24, a breakout, it hit 30, and it is quietly, relatively quietly, come back to the level from which it broke out, down 23% or thereabouts, Rebound potential high, going lower, I would say low. I want to be long. Although one thing I would ask is, you know, with, with you know, volatility probably around 45%, this is also a place where I might have considered a call spread risk reversal yeah. as well because premiums are high in this name. I would just say this is that, you know, to your point, on a mark-to-market basis, if this stock starts moving back towards those prior highs, that 30 call that I'm long is going to start to pick up deltas, right? It's going to be worth more. And then, then at that point, maybe I can sell the January 35 call or the 40 call or something like that against it. So I'd like to give myself a little more leeway to trade this thing on a move back up to the high 20s. All right. For everything Options Action, you can check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com while you're there. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. It's like you died and went to options heaven, so what are you waiting for? Here's what's coming up next. Social stocks are getting slammed, but if you own one of the names, relax. Might go as a way to protect yourself. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back to Options Action. It wasn't cool to be social this week. Facebook, Twitter, Snap getting absolutely demolished, all sinking more than 7% after Facebook and Twitter got grilled about privacy concerns on Capitol Hill. Snap sinking to an all-time low, broke below 10 bucks a share for the first time ever. Meantime, Facebook and Twitter are, are sitting firmly in bear market territory. Facebook down more than 25% from its late July high. Twitter, meantime, down more than 35% from its 52-week high hit just three months ago closing below its 200-day moving average for the first time in a year. So should you expect more pain for the space? Mike goes over at the plasma with a very special call to action. Take it away, Mike. Sure thing. So, you know, Twitter is one of these names, maybe even more so than Facebook, which has also had a really sharp pullback, very volatile stock at this point. Uh, so obviously, if you're a holder, that might be concerning. Even more concerning is the fact that you pointed out that it's down more than a third off of its highs in less than three months. If you hold this stock and you might be thinking that you want to get rid of it, there might be another way to deal with that situation. We might be able to put on a trade that can limit some of your downside risk. And if we take a look at the stock chart price here, we can see some of the volatility we're talking about. Obviously, we've had this huge, almost 40% decline. But the other thing I would ask you to keep your eye on is over here and here. And that is that if you're a holder of the stock, you're wondering, where exactly is the bottom? Well, if we get a little bit of insurance put on here, maybe we can hold on to the stock and not have such significant concerns. Specifically, what I'm doing is I'm looking out to December and putting on a put spread. One of the reasons we're looking to put on a put spread is, of course, because the stock is volatile, implied volatility, that is the price of options, is elevated. And we're going to look to mitigate that. I was looking at the 30 put, which is pretty much at the money. $2.85 is what you would spend for that. And then selling the 20 to put against it for 55 cents, net-net, I'm spending $2.30. That's a little over the quarter of the distance between the strikes, which is $8. So normally we'd be looking to spend about 2 bucks, But in this particular instance, because the stock is moving around so sharply, that's one of the reasons you see these elevated premiums. And of course, we do have earnings coming up in the latter half of October. And so that was the other reason that I was looking out to December. Give ourselves enough time in case the stock's going to rebound. You have holdings, you're going to be able to protect your downside that way. And of course, if earnings, for whatever reason, continue to put pressure on the stock, you're going to have some insulation below. All right. Thanks for that, Mike. Uh, Dan, what do you think of Mike's trade? So a really interesting setup. Obviously, the stock is in a bit of a free fall. I'll let Carter speak to the technicals here. But, you know, I suspect from a fundamental standpoint when they report that they're going to guidance is going to be really it's going to show um, a couple things that how they're combating um, some of the issues that they had from 2016 it's going to be higher expenses. We saw it in Facebook um, and it also could be a loss of revenues. And then the other point I would just make is that, you know, I've said this pretty consistently. I, I really like this company. I like a lot of things that they're doing. I think they have a huge, huge fake user problem that they have not had a reset on yet. And I think that's probably coming this fall. So if you think about Mike's trade, if you're long, the stock's still up 27% of the year. It's had a massive, massive move over the last year and a half since it bottomed. Um, that sort of put spread makes sense to kind of hold on to your long position. Well, if, also, if you're thinking about making a bearish bet, I think we have a slide on it. We could even show what the odds are. You know, basically, with the volatility that you have right now, the chances that it's going to go below 30, even below 30 by the 285 or two and a half bucks or so that you're spending on this structure, those odds are pretty good between now and December with the kind of movement we're seeing, especially with the upcoming catalyst. I mean, the other thing I would say is, it, to your point, I don't know that we're completely done with the kind of headwinds that they're facing in terms of scrutiny of, uh, you know, they, like the other social media companies, are facing right now. All right, I mean, and again, just a classic chart. You, if we have one up on the screen, it's a head and shoulders top, right? You drop and break a very heavy volume. You try to recover, drop and break again this week. I mean, it projects to 25 at a minimum, and I would say even lower than that. It's, um, 
it's just not a good circumstance. And Facebook is, is similar. How does Google look? Alphabet, I should say. So think about it. There, there, are, three, there are three distinct circumstances in tech. There's ones that, even as of now, are bulletproof. That's Adobe. That's Microsoft, right? Uh, and so forth. There's ones that have completely been destroyed. That's Facebook. That's Twitter. And then there are ones that are middling, sort of, Am I getting better or are I not? And Google is, is, the, uh, is the largest example. You know, you would assume that Alphabet has some insulation just on a fundamental basis. You are, you are not dealing with the same kinds of valuations and uncertainties. Google has robust and growing businesses. Their cloud business is definitely very strong. So, you know, Twitter, I think there's more of a question mark. There is a higher valuation and there is more volatility and that makes sense in this environment. So Mike, on a trade like yours, it was really obviously defensive against a long position. When you think about the premium you're spending, it's kind of high single digit percent of the stock price. Is there a rule that you like to use? Like obviously you like to use a long premium put um, defensive positions tactically against long holdings. If you do that too frequently, you're going to kind of erode any sort of returns. What sort of, um, you know, premium level do you like to, to target? Well, you know, I think it's relative to how much volatility you see in the stock. And what is interesting here, you know, sometimes you'll see that options premiums go up. Sometimes they don't go up enough. I mean, just take a look at how much the stock has moved. You know, so you spend $2.30. That is, whatever, 8% close to it of the current stock price. That seems like a lot for now. In a comparable amount of time, this stock has moved close to 40%, right? So if you're spending 8% in terms of premium when a stock's moving 40% over comparable amounts of time, then that can be okay, even when other times spending 3% might not make sense, like on an index like S&P over a short period of time. So it's all relative. Still ahead, it was a big short week for Amazon, the stock crossing a trillion dollars in market cap for the first time ever on Tuesday uh, before falling with the rest of the tech space. So how should you play it now? The traders, they've got some clues. Plus. Got a question for one of the traders. Send us a tweet to add options action. If it's nice, you might read it later in the show. We're live to NASDAQ and Times Square. Much more options action right after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. It's time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Now, just last week, Mike said, Mike said Amazon's amazing rally still had room to run. The stock is expensive at over $2,000 a share. If you were going to buy a round lot, that's 100 shares, it would cost you $200,000. It's also expensive on a valuation basis, but obviously it's got momentum on its side, so we're okay making a bullish bet. I was looking out to October, you could buy the 2050 $2,100 call spread. That's a $50 wide call spread, and you would spend just $18 for that. Well, it was a wild week for Amazon. The stock hitting the trillion-dollar market cap milestone before closing the week lower by nearly 3%. So, Mike, what are you doing now? Yeah, so this is an interesting one and probably as good an illustration of why to use options in cases like this of anything that I've seen. I mean, so the stock was trading around about 2000 bucks. This trade was actually up money on Tuesday before you came out on Tuesday afternoon and talked about it potentially running out of gas. This spread was worth $18 at the beginning of the day. It's worth about $13 today. So this... This trade's down about five bucks from where it was, whereas the stock is down 50. So you obviously get exposure to the shares while mitigating significant amounts of your risk. However, I'm going to defer to Carter on the view for Amazon right here. Well, I mean, the, the point of the exercise on Tuesday was just that uh, even great uptrends have pullbacks, dips, sell-offs, and that uh, one seemed due uh, 
Um, is it a setback that's permanent? Of course not. Does it mean that you can't hold this for three years and probably doubles from here? A lot of people think so. Uh, overdone day to day, tactically, that was the point. And I think probably more downside. Okay. Also last week, Dan said shares of Game Maker Electronic Arts were gearing up for a rebound. In late July, when the company reported, they did talk about the effect of Fortnite on, on online sales, um, and that was disappointing. The stock sold off after that. It was sitting on this one-year uptrend, and to me, you know, when we were thinking about it on the show a little bit, that looked like some interesting support here. Today, when the stock was at 113.40, that's where it closed, you could look to the November 100-120 risk reversal, paying $2.50. And he was right, the stock rallying 2% since the trade. So, Dan, what are you doing with EA now? Yeah, so interestingly, the stock sold off a little bit, and then it's recovered today, and it kind of looks like it's maybe putting in a near-term bottom. One of the reasons why I wanted to use the risk reversal to sell put uh, by call is that I wasn't really sure where it's going to bottom out. It may not have been done bottoming out, but if it does get back towards that 120 long call strike, at that, that point, I'm going to think about covering that short 100 put strike. And that really is the max risk of this trade. Obviously, I spent some premium for this thing. And at some point, I'll look to spread that long call into a call spread by selling a higher strike call in the same expiration, which would be November. I mean, this is a classic, and they do work from time to time, so bad it's good. You're talking about something that <laughs> plunged from 150 to 110. And um, at some point, even if it's going to get cut in half from here, you get counter trend rallies, just as in Amazon, you might get a counter trend sell off. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. Time for a tweet. This one is from Indy, who asks, if we think volatility will increase between now and Election Day in November, what is a simple trade to go long that volatility? Thanks. Mike, what do you say? You know, sim the simplest way to get long volatility is to buy a straddle, but I don't think that's really what you're asking, because if you think volatility is going to rise, you probably also think that the S&P might be hitting a rough spot here. So I think the easiest way to play it is probably buy some December or January puts in SPY. Time for the final call. Carter. Oil service ETF OIH for a bounce. Mike. Going to use a call spread risk reversal in OIH. Uh, I think box could be a really interesting strategic acquisition for a large company. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. Thanks so much for watching. See you back here next Friday at 5.30. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.